Welcome back, listeners. On this episode, I spoke to editor Blair McClendon about his work on After Sun. This year, McClendon has won the Best Editing Award at the British Independent Film Awards, the Boston Society of Film Critics Awards, and the Los Angeles Film Critics Association Awards. More will surely follow. He is also nominated at the Film Independent Spirit Awards. After Sun was directed by Charlotte Wells. I have to congratulate you. I mean, just as of like 30 minutes ago, um, After Sun was named top oh, film. Yeah. I just saw that. <laughs> and um, best directorial debut for Charlotte. I mean, yeah. that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. It's exciting. Yeah, how's how's this all been? I mean, it's kind of like the the indie darling that just keeps <laughs> pushing along and and shocking everyone. How how is this reaction? Just have you taken it? Um, I don't know. It's a bit strange. Um, Charlie and I and Greg, who shot it, um, all went to film school together a long time ago, um, and have been very good friends since then, and have worked on all of her stuff together and his stuff and my stuff. Uh, so I don't think at any point that when like we signed on to it that we were like, oh yeah, this is going to be like the hot movie. It was just like, no, Charlie's making a movie. So we'll do that again. Um, I don't know. I mean, I thought in some ways it would work. Um, I don't think anybody, unless maybe you're working on a Marvel movie, is just like, this is going to be a big movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's been weird. It's all right. A little exhausting, but all right. Exhausting, yeah. yeah. Mm. Well, I mean, so my first question, which you've kind of already answered, I mean, so you met Charlotte back in school together. Yeah. And can you just sort of talk me through sort of just how that relationship started? Yeah, um, we met, we both went to NYU for their graduate film program, um, along with Greg Oak, who shot the film, uh, and several other folks who are always still good friends and working together. But um, we actually weren't in, she was in a dual degree program um, that was like on a producing track, and I was just in the film school, not in the dual degree program. Um, so we knew each other a bit just because the program's not that big. There's like 30 something people there. So you do more or less know everybody. Um, we became friends with one another, uh, but it wasn't until not her very first short she made there Tuesday, um, but one she made after that called Laps, which Greg shot. Um, she had done a pass at it and asked if I would take a pass uh, to edit it. Um, and I'd always really liked her work. Um, so I was happy to do it. Uh, we worked on that together and we were like trying very hard to make the Sundance deadline, which was like quite near. I can't remember exactly when we started, but we didn't have that long before the deadline. Um, and just like we, we hit it off creatively. I mean, we'd been friends before that, like hanging out and stuff. But, um, you know, we found a thing that we've like continued since then, which is we have very similar tastes and like overlapping interests, but they're not the exact same, um, which I think has been just kind of productive for that. No, neither of us are gonna do something awful that the other person hates, but we are likely to do something that the other person hasn't yet thought of. Um, so we worked on that. Uh, and then she made another short right after that, Blue Christmas, um, 
which I did sound on on set and then edited as well. And Greg production designed that. Um, and a little after that, I guess maybe even a little before it, I can't remember the timeline exactly now. Um, she had started working on this one, started writing towards what would become After Sun. Um, and by that point, we like, you know, we all just quite liked working with each other and I think really respected each other's work. So we're just like, yeah, whenever that happens, we'll do it. Um, mm -hmm. Which, it, you know, there were a few delays. We were supposed to shoot in 2020, for obvious reasons, did not shoot in 2020. Um, and it took some time, I think, for her to get the writing down. But, you know, when she did, by the time like we read that final script, everyone was just like, yeah, we know exactly how to do this. Mm. And so when when did you start writing the script again? Oof. Um, if it's 2022, gosh, it might have been like, well, I guess it depends. Um, it's probably seven years total, because um, I think that's when she had the idea. Um, but writing, writing, I think, sort of quite consistently came a few years later. Um, but the idea was sort of germinating for a bit there. Yeah. And so when did you, For I mean, have you known about it for seven years, sort of just in the, like, just through passing and conversation that she wanted to do something like this? Yeah, I mean... In that circle of people, pretty much everyone's always talking about a handful of projects they might be interested in pursuing or writing or producing or doing somewhere along the line of the thing. So I knew what she was doing, that she was setting up for that. And I knew in the like final year in the program that she was um, looking to to make a feature. So like that stuff was going around a bit. Um, I don't think I like pinned down at that time, like, oh, in seven years of time, we'll be here. <laughs> um but but I knew about the project for them which I guess is like kind of unusual for most well I don't know it hasn't been that unusual for me but I think is unusual for the industry writ large to be like when you have the idea the editor knows about it um but a lot of the work I've done has been either with friends or with friends of friends um and so often I am like sort of aware of these things a bit earlier um but especially with this circle of people like you know, somebody has an inkling of an idea and we'll hear about it. And then several years later, somebody might do something. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what did the process of this particular project look like for you? Um, well, yeah, I mean, I, I had the script a bit early, um, so I knew where it was headed. And obviously I knew uh, her past work pretty well and, and had cut some of it. So I had the sense of like how she worked and how this would be. Um, the scale of this was bigger than anything she had done before. Um, not just in terms of like what the budget was, but also just like the pieces that were in motion because they were shooting in Turkey. Um, I was in New York. Um, you know, we had to get the film scanned in I think Romania it was. Um, so there was like just a lot of pieces moving in a way that, you know, up to then, the circle of people, part of why we've stayed together and worked together so well is that everybody's pretty good at multiple roles. So it was like, if you just needed to get stuff done, it was like, yeah, well, we've got at least three people who can do that, uh, as opposed to like, let's figure out how to have this international shoot uh, that is linking things back to New York and to London. Um, so there was like some things just to work out to figure out of like, okay, this is a much bigger scale and there's more people involved, blah, blah, blah. Um, 
And so I was getting footage while they were shooting um, and was reviewing that. They had a pretty compressed schedule. Um, and obviously I was like way behind them because I was in New York and they were in Turkey. Um, but, you know, getting sort of pulling stuff together then and getting a sense of what we had or didn't have, making sure actors weren't released without something that we needed um, for the most part. <laughs> um, uh, and then once she came back, um, you know, she had a few days to crash and then sort of in earnest, we started trying to pull together an assembly. Um, and Charlie and I worked together pretty closely generally in the edit room, um, which isn't true of everybody I work with, but it's true of, of her. Um, we try, basically, we were just like, we just have to get to an assembly as fast as possible. Um, mostly because it's like the worst time in any movie, I think, because uh, all assemblies are bad and you just feel bad. Uh, and so in general, I'm just like, the best thing you can do is get to something as fast as possible uh, so that you can have, you know, a dark night of the soul as early as possible in the process. Um, and so we got that down, which was like a two and a half hour cut or something, um, which is basically like, here's everything that can be put into the movie. So there's like a few things that were just like, ah, that just doesn't work. But like it's everything that you could put in the movie and that plays from front to back. Um, we felt very bad. Um, we were cutting in Scotland at, when we finished the assembly. Um, you know, yeah, we watched it. There's like lots of beautiful stuff. Greg did a lovely job in it. Obviously there's like kernels of everything that was gonna be there, but you know, it was still an assembly, so it was awful. Um, and then, you know, I mean, something that's like, very helpful about Charlie as a director and working with her is when she knows how to edit. So like, there's a lot of just things you don't have to explain about like, how long will something take to do? Or like, what is it you're actually asking for here? Um, but she's also just, I think, quite ruthless with her own work in terms of being like, if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Um, which I think is one of the hardest parts about editing is just getting to the like, it just doesn't work part. Um, and so the move from assembly to rough cut wasn't that bad. Um, I mean, it was long, but there was a pretty clear like set of things where we were like, it just doesn't work. It's not, it's not gonna work with what we're actually doing now. And there's always things that shift, you know, from what were you doing on set and where did you think it was gonna go to where are we actually taking this movie now? Um, but one of the big questions I think coming into this, coming into the edit was Charlie writes very visually. Um, it's true of a lot of the folks that we've like come up with, but because we were all trained also as directors that like everyone's writing is for directing it. Um, so when you read her scripts, you really, it's like, yeah, I see exactly how this movie is gonna go and I get a sense of its pacing and all of that. Uh, but something that we always knew was like, exactly how you were going to interweave all of the elements of you know the dv footage and the actual uh 35 millimeter footage and all of that and the like slightly different timelines and then the rave footage um we were always aware that like whatever it said on the page wasn't really going to matter um because once you're sort of in the realm of trying to like make different timelines and make memories and some things that maybe are real and maybe not work. Like you, you're just not really, whatever you wrote doesn't really matter anymore. Um, mm. So that was, I think sort of 
throughout the whole process, it was like the thing that was hardest to nail. I don't even know if it's hardest to nail. It's just sort of, it was a question all the time of like, who exactly are we talking to? And what are we trying to get across? Um, so with the like, I think what, what really was reworked a lot, probably more than, maybe not more than anything else, but a lot was just sort of the opening, gosh, now it's probably 10 minutes or so, um, which, you know, Charlie and I always differ a little bit, uh, which is that I always say like, she cares a lot about openings and I care a lot about endings. Um, but the opening here was like, was moving and changing a lot all the time because we knew that, well, this isn't, you know, like, a difficult movie in the sense of it's got a million pieces floating around and you have to keep track of 15 people and blah, blah, blah. It's like, it is difficult in the sense of it is asking you to look in a certain way. Um, and so we knew that like in the first 10 minutes, we would really have to think about how do we teach people to watch this movie? Um, and also we had the problem of, you know, we're trying to say, okay, here's this kind of slow paced film where we're really asking you to pay attention to like minute shifts in performance and relationship. And we need to introduce you to like this rave sequence that is maybe not real. And we also need you to like understand that maybe this is the past and maybe not right what you're looking at, uh, which was a bit of a tall order. Um, mm -hmm. So that that sort of whole opening sequence of the, like the DV and then we're in the rave and then they're on the bus changed basically up until the end um, about what was even in there, the order was in there, like how many frames you needed um that was I think just quite complex because we realized like if we can nail there's not a lot of explanation in this movie but if we could nail just like how do you take in these three pieces at the beginning then there is a lot we wouldn't have to explain later mm. and so <laughs> that's really I mean how how did you know that you had it that opening at the because like you said it is sort of if you don't sort of not nail the first 10 minutes like it it yeah. it does become harder to sort of process the entire thing. Um, so how how did you land like how did you ultimately land on that sequence? Um, I mean it was a lot of back and forth. Um, we knew that that rave stuff had to start up front. Um, originally, it's the very beginning. There was no DV at the top. It was just you went in and you're in the rave, um, which I think both Charlie and I were like quite partial to. Um, but there was just, you know, you would, you would play it for people and there would be just enough questions about what was happening there that we're like, okay, there's something we're not getting across, which like, you know, I, I'm always a little hesitant. I think, I think you have to be like very careful about how you take kind of audience feedback in these things. Um, You know, the like sort of counter note I, I always give uh, is that if somebody's telling you what they think the audience will think, I'm always like, well, just tell me what you think. Because mm -hmm. uh, I don't really think including the filmmakers that were like any smarter than the audience. There's like, maybe we're aware of some scenes that aren't in the movie, but like whatever it is you're getting is what's going to be like received and understood. But I do think there is a question often of just like, is there basic information that's being communicated? Um, mm. 
And so, I mean, it was just like, we just had to keep trying a lot and showing it to some people and showing it to people who we trusted would tell us if they, if it wasn't working, but also who we thought were sort of not on our side emotionally, but on our side sort of artistically. Um, mm. Because certainly there is a way that you could just like spill the beans at the front and just like have somebody say everything that matters and like you're caught up and we keep moving, uh, which I think would have like possibly broken Charlie and I. Um, and so it was just like, you know, we got we got a good suggestion um, to start with that DV footage, which came quite late in the process. For a long time, it still didn't start there. Um, and then a lot of it was also figuring out what that bus ride is, um, because there's a much longer version of it that, you know, Charlie and I are both people who really, we like sitting and watching things for a long time and could sit and watch them ride that bus for a long time. Um, but it was like, there was a few things in there that people just weren't quite connecting with, like weren't quite getting. Um, and with a movie like this, you know, I mean, it's true of all movies, but with one like this, where we're not sort of giving you lots of plot information all the time that keep keeps you moving, there's often very small things that did it. Um, I remember, you know, we would get some questions about like what the relationship between the older Sophie was and the younger Sophie was, um, like whether they were the same people or not, and blah 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 blah. And it's like, well, that's it's a scary note to receive because <laughs> it matters whether or not you know they're the same person. Um, but ultimately it was like, we just found a way to match their faces a little better when we're cutting between them. And then the note went away. Um, so it was a lot of that, like the sort of structure of it was fixed for a while, but it was figuring out like exactly which frame do you need to land on? Where even if people can't say why they suddenly now get who everybody is and what's going on. Um, which just, yeah, I mean, that was, that really was the, the thing. And once we figured that out, I think it also freed us up to figure out throughout the rest of the movie, like how long can you go without seeing DV? How long can you go without seeing the rave? Um, but it really was just like, we had to find the people who we knew would tell us we were wrong, but wouldn't say something we absolutely weren't going to do. Mm. And I mean, what would you, I mean, besides the opening sequence, I mean, what would you say was the biggest challenge for you on this project? Hmm. Um, I think what was, what was really difficult, well, I don't even know if I would say it's difficult, but the, the challenge of the project, I think, is that we're not, we're never quite giving you exactly what's happening. Um, and obviously there's like this whole ending that like has its own coherent emotional logic, even if like actually what's on screen isn't answering a lot of things. Like there is a coherent emotional logic there. Um, and I think what was the challenge here was figuring out a way to, and you know, we knew like, we were never going to, I mean, the movie's obviously done very well, but we never went into this being like, this is a tentpole film um, where what we're going to do is get everybody along for the ride and like anybody you call, they're going to come in and they're going to love it and they're going to say it's perfect. It makes great sense. We always had kind of been like, well, when we think about like the movies we're really interested in and who we're talking to, like 
was kind of a small world and a smaller one than it's turned out it or we thought it was smaller than it turns out to be um, <laughs> but we did sort of know I think throughout this that it was like we have to figure out a way that's doing kind of two things at the same time which is keeping the film moving under sort of this understanding that we were like if you can get if you can like hold on for this ride to the end something like quite different is going to happen um which requires i guess like a, an understanding of like tension and rhythm that isn't playing on you know sort of the, the like the question and answer of plot um or even really playing on sort of like the big emotional blowouts. There's like a few, but it's really a movie that's simmering. Um, and so I think it was like, oh, it was always a little difficult to figure out exactly how to calibrate that we didn't really want to tip our hands too much, but also to keep you interested enough in looking at these people. Um, which also had the added challenge of that it's a vacation. It runs mostly, I mean, it does run in a certain sense chronologically, even though there's timelines jumping. Um, but it starts at the beginning of the vacation and ends at the end of the vacation. Um, mm. Which was difficult because then it meant there was this container that we couldn't do certain things about. Um, you know, it's like, okay, you want to move things around a little bit. And there are things that are moved around. But, you know, like you start looking at their costume and you're like, well, <laughs> she is just wearing this on this entire day. So if you move it around too much, it'll start feeling like something else is repeating. Um, and so there would be like certain sections where, you know, you would just be like, we're kind of locked in for the next 10 minutes. Like we can't change anything very much here. Um, which like if that hadn't been the case, probably we would have been freer to calibrate some things. Uh, but I think it was just... I don't know, those are the kinds of movies that I quite like. Um, there was one morning where there was these interludes throughout the film, which are actually probably my favorite thing in the movie. Um, but we were trying to figure out, you know, sort of on these still shots, the ones that are always called an Ozu pillow shots, we were trying to figure out exactly how long you should time those for. Um, and so at a certain point, we were just like thinking of movies that use these sort of uh, interlude shots. And I was like, well, obviously Ozzy just does it the best. Um, and I was like, oh, it's like, we had just come in on some morning in London. And I was like, we could just do a really obvious boring thing and watch Floating Weeds because the opening has a bunch of these shots and we'll just time how long each shot is. Um, and so we went in and we started watching. We timed the first few. They were all five to seven seconds. Um, a tip I would give to pretty much anybody watching this is, uh, or listening to this is, um, we watched a bunch of other movies, pretty much every interlude shot in every movie is five to seven seconds. So I can save you guys a lot of time if you ever want that. <laughs> uh, but so, you know, we like, we start watching it, we're timing the first few, and then we just watched the whole movie because Floating Weeds is great. Um, but I think that was, you know, was things like that where there is in fact something like quite emotional happening in that movie. and. I don't use this word negatively because I love melodramas, but in the hands of somebody else, it would be a melodrama. Um, and it's not there. And I think that was true with After Sun too. Like there is a way to play this as a melodrama. Um, and I think so every time we sort of reached the point where it went from simmer to boiling, we had to figure out like, okay, how do you turn the temperature back down a little bit 
but you know, not so much that it goes flat. Um, which, yeah, I mean, it was just, there were a lot of competing needs in that. Um, but I think we just sort of had to remain faithful to this idea that we're like, even if it doesn't quite make sense in a direct way, we do think it coheres in an emotional way, um, which really just meant that like we knew there were, uh, I think Charlie's referred to them as uh, anchor points, which is like, you lose sight of the movie the longer you cut it. And so anything that like two months in, we still were like, that's kind of moving. We were like, okay, so that has to stay. And then we'll figure out everything else to make those things stay, but those things have to stay. Mm. Got it. And I mean, just in our final few minutes, I mean, what do you ultimately take away from the project? And I mean, what do you hope that audiences continue to take away from this project? Um, I mean, this isn't this isn't quite about the movie exactly. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think like my actual, my takeaway from this, which won't help anybody watching the movie, um, is mostly just about the importance of like having the folks you really trust around you on these kinds of things. Um, I think we were very fortunate to be able to like keep working together on this project. Um, the three of us, I mean. Uh, and it's been nice to see something that like held on to a bit of that spirit blow up like this. Um, I mean, in terms of what audiences take away, I'm always a bit hesitant. Uh, and like whenever, whenever somebody comes up to me after a screening or something and asks me to explain something, I'm like, I don't know, man. You probably know <laughs> as well as I do. Uh, <laughs> but I guess it's, you know, what I would ultimately wind up arguing for like what you should take away from the movie. Oof, how do I put this? exactly correctly um i'm gonna i'm gonna sidestep it because again i'm gonna answer about something broader i think than, than the movie because i don't think i can answer what they should take away better than whatever they feel at the end of the movie uh but i guess i would say it's just that there's space for films like these um i think it can be kind of difficult to make the argument for them sometimes because it's scary to um and something I think Charlie was very good at about this and that we all sort of kept talking about is that we were like, we're willing to see the movie fail because like we weren't good enough artists, um, but not willing to see it fail because we were like afraid to try to make the movie she wanted to make. Mm. Um, and I think honestly, like separate from my involvement in it, the thing that I've been so heartened by is just seeing that a movie that like was not directly offering something so straight ahead and was like trying to do a few different things, uh, did demonstrate quite clearly that like conviction goes a long way. Thank you all for listening. This episode was edited and produced by me, Jackson Vickery. Graphics were done by Dylan Michael. And the opening and closing theme were done by Sterling Gavinsky.